Now, we had planned for the next two weeks to go through a short series called Growing Godward, and that is because we've got a new phrase that you've probably heard us start to use here at the lakes, grow Godward. And just to be technical about it, uh, a little bit of grammar, word on the end is a suffix and it means direction or position. So we use it like towards or westwards. And so that's the idea. What, where are we facing and what position are we in? What posture are we in? And we want to be more intentional here at church about emphasizing that. Not that we haven't been thinking through these things and that we haven't thought that it's unimportant, but we're conscious that it would be sad if as we, as we dwell on God's word and base ourselves from God's word, if we weren't paying attention to our affections and our heart cultivating those deep desires where not only do we understand right doctrine and we're about faith and obedience, but we actually have desires that are pointed towards God, that we find our highest joy and pleasure in God. And it's scripture itself that calls us to cultivate that, to cultivate that within so that we are Godward in our whole demeanour. So our next series over today and next week is looking at growing Godward, and that is underlining the very reason that we exist, that we exist to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So today we're going to have a look at Psalm 8, looking particularly at what it means to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And then next week we're going to look more more across how the scriptures invite us and encourage us to cultivate more of our hearts so that every waking moment we are Godward. Now, throughout today, I've invited a number of different people to record the Bible reading for us, and I've also asked them, just before they get into that, to share something about God's awesomeness in their life. So first up, we've got Jasmine from our Church at Five congregation with Psalm 8. Hi, church family. Jazz Sproul here. Hope you're doing well in this time of crazy COVID lockdown. Um, We've been doing pretty well. Um, Lots of changes here, especially on the health front. Um, uh, But praise God, got a recent diagnosis. So, um, yeah, such a massive answer to prayer. Um, Today, going to be reading from Psalm 8. Uh, And this one's for the director of music, according to Gittith, and it's a psalm of David. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. All flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Thank you very much, Jasmine. 
Now, if you can track with me, if you've got your Bibles open, um, the first thing to note that this psalmist points out is that God's name and glory is throughout the heavens and the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. What the psalmist recognizes that absolutely everything in existence, everything in reality, God has set in order to bring glory to himself. It is the very reason for every speck of dust on this planet, every breath from our life. Everything is to be ordered towards God. That is, everything is directed towards his glory, and we are to position ourselves, along with the rest of creation, to be before God for his glory. When we drop down into verse 2, there's a suggestion there that there's a group of people that want to thwart that plan. They put themselves as enemies of God. And we see that even though that is a reality, and we'll talk more about that shortly, God will reset and restore the whole cosmos to bring about his glory. He's determined that even through the praise of children and infants, they will be his instruments to push back the enemies that want to upset that order that glorifies God. God is going to bring glory to himself. When we look through verse 3 down to verse 8, this is amazing because the psalmist scans the entire heavens and he watches the work of God's fingers and he becomes staggered. As he does that, he is staggered at the position of mankind in God's glorious earth. Um, He will say, in light of all of his wondering and scanning of the earth, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? In verse 5, he says, you have made them a little lower than the angels. Now, just a, a little bit of technical stuff here is that you probably can pick this up in your own Bible just through the footnotes that there is two ancient texts rolling around behind the English text, and one says you have made them, made humans lower than the angels, and the other says you have made them lower than God. And it's kind of 50-50 which way you go if you want to have a look at it. For my view, I think that probably the original is you have made them lower than God because that echoes the very creation narrative. God created human beings to image him to be his representatives in the whole created universe and so this guy the psalmist is staggered that God has made human beings to be in this privileged position and so we see that humans are made the very reason for our existence is that we are to be directed towards God's glory that is our task and we should have our posture and position directed that way. Now, if we reject that, then we're rejecting God's entire plan, and he's going to deal with that, as we saw the suggestion in verse 2. But the other thing is that when we think about that is the way the creator God has made us, the only way that we will find satisfaction, the only way that we will find joy and pleasure, ultimate joy, ultimate pleasure and ultimate satisfaction, is when we are positioned to glorify God. Now, there's this famous old 
theologian, Augustine or Augustine, people say it a different way, um, and he put it like this. I've got a quote to put it on the screen, so let's put that up. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. So Augustine recognised that he, his life, while he had pursued lots of different directions for satisfaction, he was forever restless. It's in his very nature to only find rest as he rests in God and he points himself towards God. So that is what it is to glorify God. And we, we need to think about how do we find ourselves positioned and postured towards God. Many things sort of push against that. Uh, we are busy um, and very distracted. And so I was wondering, Lois, how do you, because you know that you're made to glorify God, how do you find space and time to deliberately position yourself directed towards God in that posture amongst the busyness and distraction? Uh, it's something that you have to be intentional about. You have to, um, you know, find – it's the same as finding time to eat. It's the same as finding time to go to the shops. Um, it's something you have to do intentional, intentionally. And I can't say that I'm brilliant at it. Mm. Um, there are many – places that um, really I feel drawn quite close to God, even just sitting in the sunshine or at the beach or in the, looking at paddocks or something, those times that I, my heart will really swell up. But um, I have some devotional books and I listen to a lot of Christian music and uh, that Christian music that tells me, reminds me of God's truth while I'm cooking or mm. while I'm cleaning the floor or whatever, uh, that uh, really helps me as well. But can I, I tell you a story about a woman? I don't have children at home anymore. Mm-hmm. I did have. Um, and I want to tell you about a woman whose name is Suzanne. Now, Suzanne uh, lived a, uh, a long time ago. She had 19 children. Only 10, uh, 10 of those children survived, um, survived infancy. Um, she, her husband was a rector of a church uh, in England, and he was not well liked, and so their house was burnt down twice. Uh, he was away a lot. Um, he, uh, she was at home by herself with her ten children, uh, and her her thing was when she needed to get close to God. She had made a vow that she would always spend time with God every day, and she used to sit at the kitchen table with ten children running around mm. a farm that she was supposed to be managing in her husband's absence. And for up to two hours a day, she would read her Bible and she used to get her apron, a long apron, and she used to put it over her head. And the family knew that during that time, she was not to be disturbed. This was her time with God. So that it was like a tent. She eventually had such... She also was homeschooling her children. Um, She homeschooled the girls and the boys. Um, On Sunday afternoons, she started a little Bible study, and after a while, about 100 people were coming to this Bible study. Such was her um, knowledge of the Bible. Um, That woman's last name was Wesley. She had two sons, John and Charles. Um, John Wesley preached up to nearly a million people and wrote over 5,000 books and tracts 
Um, he preached to over a, nearly a million people with no live stream because uh, this was in the early 1700s. And Charles, her son, um, wrote over 6,000 hymns with the words and the music, mm. including Oh for a Thousand Tongues to Sing and Can It Be, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Christ the Lord is Risen Today, some of those ones that we still well sing. Known. And I just, I, I find that um, story really humbling that this woman was so intent on having that time with God that. I mean, I think about 10 children destroying the house while you're sitting at the table um, with the apron over your head. But such was her devotion to God. She said, I will um, pray and read my Bible every day in spite of everything else. And the, the results was her two sons who um, are still impacting the world today. Both of them had mm. very strong influences on the Christian world at the time. Yeah. So I think... That's humbling for me because I think I don't have 10 children running around anymore unless all the grandchildren come to visit. Uh, and mm -hmm. would I take that time to put the apron over my head and find that space? I yeah. think it's amazing. Well, I'm glad you said that because as I mentioned, we're busy and distracted and you've told me about Susanna. It doesn't seem like it was any different for her in her era. No. Busy, distracted. Um, I, I've been reflecting recently um, in my busyness and distractedness when I've seen those times where I, I need to be communing with God be pushed to the side, where, where I, I ask myself, am I actually positioned and Godward focused? Well, maybe not in those times because I keep pushing him to the side. What is going on? And I think part of it is uh, am, I, am I believing that my source of power is actually going to come from other things? That's why you're busy. You're doing the things that are going mm. to maybe you know, bring you success or get you to the next day. Um, but God, God is the source of everything, as we've seen through this psalm. So I encourage all of us this week, particularly as the lockdown causes us to strip a number of things back, to think about how, how, how is my life ordered like, really, how is my life ordered and positioned that God is primary, he gets all the glory, and I find my satisfaction and source for everything in him? So take that challenge. The sad thing is, when we don't, I wonder, even as Christians, if we're kind of treating God as just like a little ticket that we've won to get to heaven. Mm. But we're looking forward to being with God and communing with God. So that's a challenge for this week. Uh, moving on to how do we enjoy God? So when we think about that, our reason for existence is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Well, take a look with me at verse 3 of this same psalm, Psalm 8. We mentioned that the psalmist considers the heavens and the earth, and he notices the work of God's fingers. Now, one of the things is when we think of being Godward focused and the important things like praying and hearing his word, gathering to church, praising, all those things that are directly focusing towards God, we kind of know that we have to do other things and we kind of know that we exist in another world. So we might think that truly being Godward focused means solely, always, consciously directed to God, always praying, always reading the Bible always thinking about God on our mind. But here, the psalmist actually looks to 
to God's creation and spends time considering the heavens. And the obvious fact is that God, in his glory, has made so many other things other than himself and other than us. And he wants us to observe them, notice them, enjoy them, and wonder at them. And in that, it leads us back to the great, awesome God of heaven. Now, one of the things I love, Lois, about having a little kid in my house is that he, he brings back the wonder of the world, God's world. And time and time again, we'll be, I've had to learn that if I'm riding my bike with Kale, I have to keep back from him because he leads and then clamps his brakes on in a skid. And if I'm not careful, don't have my wits about me, I will go into the back of his bike because he wants to stop all of a sudden to wonder at a worm on the path. And he wants to stop, talk about it, show it to me. Could be a worm or it could be a hotted up WRX. What are some of the things that catch your attention that you really enjoy wondering about and, and it leads you to God, Lois? Um, I think things like uh, the twilight just before um, the... Is that before the sun goes down or before the sun... I don't know about the sun coming up. I've never seen that. Twilight. Um, sun going down, I think. Dusk. Um, but just no, no, no. Du- I've got a In dusk. Yep. Well, just before the sun goes down, that beautiful time, <laughs> um, just sitting at the beach last Sunday, uh, we did our recreation at Shelley Beach, mm-hmm. um, and it, just sitting there, just looking across the beach. And I love paddocks. I grew up in the middle of paddocks, and so that is just um, a, a time for me. It really is... Um, just a beautiful time. But you know what else? It's things like holding a newborn baby, mm. um, holding a newborn grandchild, um, being the first one in that room when that child is born, and it's just the wonder. And then bringing the other children in to see their new brother or sister, the wonder in their lives, and the wonder it is for me, and I think, God, you are just such an amazing God mm. because you create not just creation, but you create us. Mm. Uh, and just seeing that new creation uh, is just the most wonderful thing. Yeah. Mm. So part of glorifying God is actually enjoying the great things that he gives to us. And he has structured the world in such a way that as we enjoy them, we are led back to the great giver. We enjoy the gifts and we're led back to the the wonderful giver. So I think a helpful way, someone once talked to to me about this, is to think about when we focus God, Godward, it doesn't only mean directly focusing, getting everything set (laughs) to him the whole time. God wants us to even indirectly focus on him through stopping and really really noticing and enjoying the creation. And in that, as we enjoy the gifts, we are enjoying God. So let me, let me um, explore how this works a little bit more. So we're thinking about there's times of direct Godwardness, prayer, praying, listening to his word, and there's times of indirect God, Godwardness where we're concentrating on aspects of creation and enjoying them for what they are. Let me take you to Psalm 19, and I've got Charlie Bradford to help us out with this Bible reading, and he too is going to share something of the wonder of God for him. Hello, I'm Charlie. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm going to read 
um, Psalm 19, verses 7 to 10. But before I do that, I'm going to list one reason why God is awesome. God is awesome because he loves us even though we do horrible things. Now I'm going to read the passage. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The, the decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. Good on you, Charlie. Great job. Thanks for that reading. Now, Lois, what I love about that psalm is, it, for me, it really shows how God, even as he speaks through his word, he is using creation to explain himself, to reveal himself. And he says, one of my favorite lines is that, uh, verse 10, that God's word is more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. So that simile or metaphor is only works if you notice honeycomb, right? Mm -hmm. If you spend time enjoying the honeycomb, Mm -hmm. tasting its sweetness, you you first have to really focus on that. And so uh, I actually set about making my own honeycomb uh, last night. I did three batches and I realized how difficult it is. My mum used to make honeycomb all the time. Uh, I burnt two batches. <laughs> Deb had a crack at it, so Deb, my wife. Um, no success because I really wanted to present a jar of honeycomb to you and get you to savour it. So I've had to go to some synth- synthetic stuff, mm. but at least it's COVID-free. Would you mind just opening up this violet crumble? Okay. Which is sort of synthetic honeycomb. But nonetheless... Open that up and savour it. This is not half as good as your burnt one would have been, Tim. Uh, well, I, I sampled some and I couldn't open my mouth for 10 minutes. <laughs> it was pretty ordinary. Okay, here now, we go. Now, you want me to eat this? I want you to take a bite, savour it. Okay. And just right. enjoy it for what it is. Describe it for me. It's crunchy. Mm-hmm. It's not burnt. Yeah. It's really sweet. It's got chocolate around it. That's a bonus. Yeah. It's, Are you enjoying it? I am enjoying it. Um, and it would be improper of me to sit here and eat the whole thing on camera. But, you know, I could have a cup of tea later and finish it off. Mm-hmm. But, yes, it is very enjoyable. As um, And it's got little, yeah, it's very lovely. Lovely. Mm. But you have to enjoy it mm-hmm. to understand how it works as a metaphor for God's word. Yeah. And that's how all of creation works. The Psalms really bring that out that God has created gifts for us that he wants us to enjoy. And we're not we're not called to enjoy them in a way where we're going oh crunchy bar god crunchy bar god. No. You dwell on the enjoyment of the gift. And from there it leads us back to the giver. C.S. Lewis had a fantastic quote, which I can put on the screen for you. Let's go to that. He 
encouraged us, as he saw these truths, to chase the sunbeam. As you look across God's creation, one's mind runs back up to the sunbeam, to the sun. Where to look at God's gifts and chase the sunbeam. Now, with that picture, I should point out too, Andrew Wetzel, who's a resident photographer here at the lakes, he has captured a beautiful sunrise. I think that's Cabbage, Cabbage Tree Bay at Nora Head. So here's another activity for the rest of this week. Let us enjoy God's good creation, and as you enjoy it, chase the sunbeam. Head back to the wonderful creation of God. Uh, to, the, to the wonderful created God. Yep. Now, you've got another activity for the kids. I have. In light of this. And I'm not judging it. So maybe, Andrew, you can do it. <laughs> um, so this week, as you, um, children, as you are playing in the backyard or if you go to the park or uh, you go and do your exercise at the beach, whatever, um, can you capture something that you appreciate about God's creation with your mum's phone or um, your, if you have a camera in your house? So we're looking for a photograph. Um, we will. Um, so these are pictures of God's creation. There'll be more information on the voice uh, so that you can uh, see what you're required to do. Uh, rem- your photos will be printed for a special display out the front of the ministry centre. Uh, and remember that there's no editing or photoshopping. So just the photograph, the raw photograph that you take. So something that reflects God's creation. That's your challenge for this week. Wonderful. Looking forward to that. Okay, so we enjoy, and it could be pizza. Oh, it could be. Or it could be a sunrise. I wouldn't be judging pizza as God's creation, but... Well, but uh, don't tell John and Wendy that you know they. Yeah, might. You want to restrict it to God's. No, no. You can, well, um, you can if if that's um, got lots of fresh veggies on it. Yes, that's <laughs> God's creation. Yes, but this week, um, photos aside, let us enjoy whether it's pizza, seeing a worm wiggle, seeing a WRX whiz by. That's not enjoy. God's creation. Uh, yes, it is. God has created everything, everything, okay. but so that we can enjoy these gifts and head back to the wonderful giver. Now, that's one way that we enjoy God, and we glorify him as we enjoy that. Um, The other way is through his wonderful salvation, and this is the last thing we'll reflect on. I've asked John Bock to record another Bible reading for us from Hebrews chapter 2, and likewise to begin with a, a little observation of God's wonder for him. Good morning, everyone. Tim asked me to reflect on why I think God is awesome. Well, on Monday, the Bible reading email that Tim sends around asked us to read Psalm 8. And Psalm 8 is all about our creator God, the God who made everything. Even from the smallest little creatures, like the St Andrew's cross spiders that inhabit our garden in the summer, through to the awesome moonrises that we have seen over the lake in recent months to the wonderful vista of stars that we see on a clear night. Truly this creator God is awesome and what is even more amazing is that this creator God wants to have a relationship with us and that brings us to our Bible reading from Hebrews chapter 2. 
So if you'd open your Bibles or get your phones ready, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 6 to 11. But there is a place where someone has testified, What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with honour and glory and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet, at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honour because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Thank you very much, John. So what we see there is that Jesus, who Hebrews 1 makes clear is God, in Hebrews 2 we see God as the man Jesus comes in flesh. God comes in flesh. And the reason is because although humans were created to glorify God, we have rejected that position, that responsibility, and God's glory. And that is sin, and that has introduced lots of different things into our creation. And, and we, we well know that even as we enjoy the wondrous creation, it doesn't last. Uh, the good things turn to dust. There's disease and destruction, and there's even death. And we saw in Psalm 8 that God was determined to restore creation and to restore human beings so that they will praise his glory. They will glorify him and enjoy him forever. And that's what we see in the gospel with Jesus. Hebrews 2 quotes Psalm 8 to make that point, that God is restoring his glory and restoring that wonderful position that he gave humans to glorify him and enjoy him forever. That is one through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He tastes death for everyone and he brings us into his family, as the passage said. We are now his sons and daughters. He has won for us a wonderful salvation. So for us as Christians, the gospel actually is what enables us to again turn back to God. God, by his spirit, causes our hearts to actually glorify him, to actually wonder at the creation and be drawn back to the wonderful giver. The fact that our hearts are full of gratitude and adoration only comes through God, God himself working that through the gospel. Let me take you to another great quote from C.S. Lewis. So let's put that up on the screen. C.S. Lewis said that gratitude exclaims how good of God to give me this wonderful gift. That disposition 
that posture towards God only comes because of God's work through the gospel, that we now see all of God's gifts to us as wonderful gifts from the creator. That's gratitude. Adoration says, what an awesome person God must be that he would give this to me. So as we close our reflection today on being Godward, we can thank God for restoring his great plan, his original intention, where everything exists for his glory. And he made us as humans to glorify him and enjoy him forever. And although that has been upended by us, God in his wonderful grace and mercy has restored that. So let's be encouraged this week in being deliberately Godward as we go about, even if it's just our house and our backyard or wherever we find ourselves doing some exercise, let us have gratitude for the gifts where we go, that is awesome, that tastes great, that feels great. How good is God that he gives me this? And then let's have adoration. How awesome must he be that he just wants to keep gushing this forward and that he is willing to even in grace provide the salvation that we need to restore us to his glorious position. He wants us to be just under him, but above the rest of creation, glorifying him and enjoying him forever. Let me pray and then we'll sing. Heavenly Father, we thank you that as we recognise in our hearts the posture and position that we have facing you only comes through your work of the gospel, your kindness Uh, yet another wonderful, the all-encompassing gift from you, restoring us to be people who are made and now saved to glorify you and enjoy you forever. Uh, As so many of the prayers in the Bible finish, uh, to you be all glory, honour and power forever and ever. Amen.